0: beginning of the service this is an exciting day uh, and um, we want to share some some things with you today that I think uh, you need to know Our, our, uh, our goal today is to be as transparent and as upfront as possible about where we're at with our building expansion because we've had a lot of questions over the last several months where do we stand because we went into this several months ago Actually, even uh, we can say years now uh, of, of planning, of praying, of seeking God's guidance and his will about everything that he wants us to do as a church and what he wants us to do as a school. And so today we want to share some things with you of where we stand and where we're moving uh, forward. And in doing so, we want to share with you also a couple of Bible stories. So, if you're sitting out there thinking, man, I just don't want to hear a bunch of facts and figures, there is a spiritual element to this today that we want to share with you. And so, we're going to be in the Old Testament today in the book of Nehemiah. We're also going to be in the uh, book of Exodus, and we're going to share with you a couple of stories that I think are not only pertinent to our building program, but also to our individual lives. And so, um, there's just some some things that uh, we think you need to know. So, and and I will just say up front, if there's something that if, if you don't get any uh, of some of your questions answered today, make sure you see us after the service. We'd love to talk to you. Uh, we, we're we're an open book, and and we'll be glad to share with you anything that we can possibly share with you that that we know. This may shock you, but there are some things that Kendall and I just don't know. I know that shocks a lot of you that there's. That possibility, but uh, so today we're 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 doing what we're calling the tag team sermon. So if Kendall gets in trouble, I can come off the rope and bail him out. All right, here we go. So um, the one thing I want to start off by saying, first of all, is um, I'm proud of this church. Um, to to tackle what what we have taken on um, here recently and what we've tackled and taken on over the last twenty plus years in regards to the school, in regards to uh, discipling young people. I'm very proud of this church and the commitments that the church has made, and I'm really proud of our leadership as well. I'm proud of our elders for having the courage uh, to go forward in a very difficult time in what possibly is the, the most difficult time in the last hundred years of human history. Um, I don't think that's a stretch to say that this has been difficult on a lot of different levels, uh, spiritually, emotionally, financially. Uh, we just look at things that are going on in the world, and, and it can just really be, um, it can be something that can either uh, tear us down, or it can be something that can lead us to the Lord. And, and I think this church has done a really nice job, I think our leadership's done a really nice job, too, of, of turning toward the Lord in, in this difficult time. And so uh, I've asked Kendall to share some thoughts with you about uh lessons that we can learn from from Nehemiah. Uh because this is a great old testament story that I think is pertinent to our time now. So Kendall, if you don't mind, just
1: absolutely. tag Yeah. All right, you're on. Chapters and verses, but I think it's really neat that. Yeah, I'm not on either, so it's really hard to hear.
0: Oh, you're paused. There, there you go. Just tap it. Nope. Oh. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Turn it on now leave it on. That's where. You're good.
1: Check. And then at the conclusion of all those days and all those prayers, all of that time, we get recorded a prayer that, uh still not working. You're, you're muting me, aren't you? Yeah, you're having fun muting me.
0: I just didn't want people to hear your irritating voice. Yeah, they're I know. Really all right.
1: So right. Shouldn't holler at those referees like that. Yeah, That's right. all I'm saying. You're right. Okay, so Nehemiah hears that his, his homeland, his people, they're, they're in great trouble. They're disgraced. Um, they're really down, and it bothers him. So he spends these days of mourning and fasting and praying, and at the end of all of that, uh, we get a wonderful prayer. If you're you're, uh, joining us in Nehemiah, turn to Nehemiah chapter 1. And it starts with verse 5. And if not, just take this prayer in. Just, Just listen to these words from Nehemiah. It reads, Then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your ears l- l- and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commands, the decrees, and laws you gave to your servant Moses. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them From there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. They are your servants. They are your people. Whom you have redeemed by the great strength and your mighty hand. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant. And to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today. By granting him favor In the presence of this man, Nehemiah is getting ready to go to the king, the pagan king, and ask to be able to go home and help his people out because he has a vision of going to rebuild the walls around Jerusalem. He goes to the king and he asks for favor of the king. But before he does that, he goes to the Lord to ask for the Lord's favor. He goes to the king this pagan king who probably despised the Israelites at some point in time and he goes and he asks for certain things and the king says well Nehemiah how long do you want this leave how long are you going how long are you going to be away what kind of a time period are we talking about so Nehemiah says so I gave him a time and I told him a time when I thought I could be back and the king says okay and then Nehemiah says, well, I'll need some help. I need letters. Can you give me letters that will protect me on my journey? And the king says, okay. And he says, well, I need supplies. I'm going to need things to, to be, I, you know, I don't have any of that. I need resources. I need the, the financial backing of whatever I need to be able to get the wood and things to build this, these walls. And the king says, okay, you, you've got it. You've got it all. And it all started with Nehemiah's vision of, i got to go back and help my people. I have to help rebuild Jerusalem from the ruins that, that my people have scattered, but they're starting to come back. We need Jerusalem to be the hub once again, and I need to go help my people. And this pagan king, through God, allows him to do it. You know, Proverbs twenty nine eighteen says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Well, Nehemiah had a vision. So we need to make sure that our vision is from God. And that's the first point on your outline. Make sure your vision is from God. And I think our leadership has done a great job, uh, both from the church and school standpoint on that. The second point is this. Make sure to ignore Satan's distractions. You know, Nehemiah had many distractions. They kept trying to knock the legs out from under Nehemiah. Nehemiah went back and he, he observed and, and, and he kind of processed everything. And he gathered the people and he gave them this pep talk. And, and how they're going to rebuild the walls around Jerusalem. And he got them started on it. But these other kings, these other countries, they didn't like the fact that Jerusalem was going to be rebuilt. I mean they were having their way. They could go in and plunder anything that they wanted. They could go in and rule whatever they wanted to do in Jerusalem. So they didn't want Jerusalem to rise again. So they started attacking Nehemiah. They started sending him messages. He would be up on the wall and they would send him messages. You need to come down. We need to talk to you. And Nehemiah would say, no, I don't need to come down. We're busy here. We have things to do. We have a vision. We're about God's work. And so uh, they they wanted to get him to come down off, off the wall. And when they couldn't do that, then they tried to discourage his workers. They tried to get them discouraged and they tried to feed them lies so that they would quit working for Nehemiah. And Nehemiah rearranged things so that the workers were happy with what they're doing and they, they stayed, they, they kept the perseverance to keep building the wall and building the wall. And then they got to the point where they were even plotting to kill Nehemiah. If they could just get him away From building the walls of Jerusalem. If they could just get Nehemiah to meet with them. uh, Then they they had plans to kill him. If you turn to chapter 6. Verses 1 through 4. It says when the word came to Sanballat. Tobiah. Geshem the Arab, Arab. And the rest of our enemies. That I had rebuilt the wall. And not a gap was left in it though at that time I had not set the doors to the gates. Sanballat and Geshem sent me this message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. And then listen to what Nehemiah says. But they were scheming to harm me. So I sent a message to them with this reply. I am carrying on a great project. And cannot go down Sticking to his vision despite the distractions Can't meet with you We're about rebuilding the wall. We're about doing God's work. We're about the vision that is to take place and I got to tell you I'm so also proud of the leadership of both the, the church and the school Because every time in this process that some kind of a distraction has came up They go to to the Lord in prayer. I've witnessed them pray through that and seek guidance and seek wisdom to stay on the vision every time that a distraction has come up. And I'm equally proud of our church family and our school families as well. You know, after, after the bids came in much higher than what we anticipated, through prayer, through asking for wisdom, there was a vote to continue to move forward. And and as soon as we did that, then that that next Sunday, we had a higher attendance than I think we've ever had since COVID. I mean, it just continued to grow. Since approving the building expansion, we've seen so many new families come into the church and are worshiping with us. We've had many baptisms, been blessed with people coming to know the Lord. There have been so many commitments through giving and through your pledges. And just quickly, for some of those numbers to date, um, we've paid out about $192,000 in uh, architectural fees, um, checking out the ground to make sure we can build on it, uh, different licensing, that type of thing. So we've paid out 192000 We currently have in the building fund A little over $405,000 of cash on hand. And we have another $386,000 in pledges over the next three years. Nearly a million dollars that people have already committed to toward this vision of seeing these young people be able to attend school and our church be able to, to grow as well. Now, I I gotta tell you the bids did come in much higher than what we anticipated and that's kind of slowed us down a little bit. When we gave you the presentations we talked about on the high end that uh, we might be paying about $180 a square foot on the high end for a $2.3 million dollar project. All of the bids we received came in over $250 per square foot and you can imagine what that did to the overall cost. So we went from a $2.3 million to looking at a $4 million project. Probably couldn't be done without some huge donation, right? Leadership back to the Lord in prayer. Leadership back to meetings with the architect. Leadership back to how can we do this? How can we make some cuts without compromising what we want in the building project? meeting after meeting, seeking God's word, seeking God's wisdom, and how we can move forward. And through those meetings, we've been able to cut that. We've cut the cost nearly about $800,000 off of that already. And and we've decided to look at this as a Mm two-phase process. Mm -hmm. Phase one being the building of those classrooms that we need. So that new wing with all of the classrooms. And then phase two... Oh yeah, we got some pictures. That's great. That's the green area, the new classrooms, phase two, the multi-purpose room. Uh, we'll come at a, a, after we get the first phase done. Then we'll come back with the multi-purpose room. We need to do that because we need, we want the cost to be down to where we talked to you about and you approved. And we've got that classroom wing down to uh, 2.5 million. So still a little over the 2.3. But when you think about what has already come in and where we stand, the leadership and all of us feel that that is doable and we can do that. So right now we're in the process of currently seeking the financing that we need. And then also uh, we have a contract. Once we have the financing, we have a contract that's ready to be signed. And um, we should be seeing movement and some groundbreaking sometime this spring. So as we push on as we continue to to live out this vision that we have for Columbus Christian School and East Columbus Christian Church and what God has in store, what God has planned, remember Nehemiah. Remember when he said, I'm doing a good thing. We are doing a good thing. We're about this project and we can't stop. we got to keep pressing on.
0: And... and I I will just add to that that you know I look at these numbers sometimes and and it just hit me again when you said that you know going to about four million D- does that sound like a lot of money to anybody else um, four million dollars is what it had kind of ballooned to and we knew again like we we're not an organization like some public entities that would just go ahead and go through and 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 just say okay we're just going to do it. God has entrusted this money to us. You have given the church money, and we want to be good stewards. And so we knew that was just not a, a good move to, to go with $4 million. But at the same time, I, I kind of sit here and I think about how we started the service today. With a young lady that was baptized into Christ. and And that's just one of the lives that's being touched every single day within the walls of this school and and so I believe with all my heart this is God's vision for the church and for the school to move forward and expand so that more people can be reached for christ and and we sit here and we think well this is this is just really really big and and maybe maybe you don't agree with what's been decided i I don't know but my mind was taken as we were having some of these tough conversations in our our uh, leadership and and staff meetings my mind was taken to the story of Moses and how the children of Israel were in bondage to Pharaoh and Egypt and God appears to to Moses and and calls him to deliver his people and Moses gave all kinds of excuses why he couldn't do what God was asking him to do. And I'll be honest, early on, I was kind of in the excuse boat. There were some things that I'm like, man, I just don't know if we can do this. You know, I just don't know if um, this is something the church and the school can pull off. But one thing after learning uh, and rereading and thinking about everything that happened in the story of Moses If it's God's vision, if it's what he wants you to do, he will deliver, right? And again, we've said this all along, if it's not of God, we don't want it to be successful. But if it is of God, we have to trust that he's going to deliver. And so um, I I feel like we're kind of in this situation where uh, we're at the Red Sea, you know, and, and Pharaoh's army's coming in behind us you know the Red Sea is this astronomical cost everything's gone up I mean if you've bought groceries late lately you understand just how much milk and a loaf of bread and and I've, I've had to cut back on my coffee creamer I mean that's terrible uh, actually I haven't that's a lie uh, but I should I probably should but uh, everything has gone up, you know, gas prices, inflation, it's a very real thing. And we have not messed up. This isn't something that, okay, we got ahead of ourselves and the prices came in more. We haven't messed up. It's just the economy has done what it has done. And, and if we still believe that it's of God, we have to push forward and we have to trust that he's going uh, to, to deliver and he will provide and, and we just have to trust him. And so I, I, I feel like, and this is something that I share with the elders, we're standing at the edge of the Red Sea. And the Red Sea is this astronomical um, uh, increase in the price of the building program. And Pharaoh's army is, is interest rates, right, that are chasing us. And here we are at the Red Sea. And so uh, if we don't do it now, interest rates are going to continue to go up. I don't see building costs going down anytime soon. And so we've got these things chasing us, and here we are. Are we going to trust God to part the waters for us so that we can walk through and do what we know He's calling us to do? And I'm thankful that our leadership has decided that we're going to do it. This is our Red Sea moment, church. And um, I really feel like uh, um, God is blessing us for it. As Kendall alluded to earlier, our very first Sunday after making that decision, we have more people in church Last Sunday, then we had Easter last year, right? And I know that, you know, we've got COVID and that sort of thing, but um, God's going to bless. Anytime you trust him, anytime you step out in faith and trust him, he's going to deliver. He's going to bless. So I know he's going uh, to do that again. And we have to learn that in spite of these obstacles that we see, in spite of the naysayers, uh, there's, there's public naysayers. Probably, I'm sure. Uh, there might even be naysayers within the congregation. That's okay. Uh, but if we really believe that it is from God, in spite of these obstacles that we might face, we have to trust him and we have to move forward and we have to believe that he's going to deliver us. Now, some things you know from, from the life of Moses that I think that we need to, to really look at it is, um, you know, when we look at Exodus chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, well, if we even back up before that to Exodus 3, when God calls you to do something, notice he called Moses by name, and I feel like he is specifically calling us to, by name, by the church, maybe not individually right now, but he's calling us as a church to take part with him to, to do what he's asking us to do. In chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, I should have brought my readers Uh, Do your readers work on my eyes? Let me try that. Not bad, not bad, all right. Now it says... (laughs) I'm sorry, I had to. (laughs) Exodus chapter 3. Verses 1 through 4, now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight why the bush does not burn up. And when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, Here I am. And he's calling us. He knows us by our names. Individually. He knows every hair that's on your head. He's calling all of us to partner together, to be a part of something that is much bigger than us as individuals, it's something that's, that's, a, that's truly a God thing we've talked about this several times how much of a God thing we think this is leading us to the right uh, uh, capital campaign people, leading us to the right architects, leading us to the right builders we feel like God is right in the middle of this because he cares about us and he wants to see us reach people for Jesus, but it's not going to come easy, that's another thing that that Moses had to understand. You think about all of the things. Even though God was sending all of these plagues uh, to to Pharaoh and on Egypt to get them to change their minds, to get them to 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 let uh, God's people go, uh, it, it still didn't come easy. It w- it was difficult. And and there's going to be difficult road uh, a road ahead for us as well. But we have to understand that God is bigger than any problem that we might have or any obstacle that we might. We have this tendency to make God out to be a lot smaller than he is. God is huge. If he can speak the very universe into existence, I have no doubt in believing that he can take care of this issue that we might have with it being more money. you know. And so here's what I encourage you to do. I, not only do you need to... Uh, that, this is the risk that you take when you have two preachers preaching is, is time. So I'm trying to be time conscious here, but also uh, make, make sense of what this means to us, not only as a church, but individuals. You need to understand that not only is God calling us as a church to do this work, he's calling you individually by your name to say, I'm, I'm, I want you to minister to my people. Let's just forget about the building program for just a moment. Just throw that out of the out of the window. God knows you by name, and He cares so much about you. He wants you to make the same decision that we saw Jaron make at the beginning of the service. He wants you, if you've already made that decision, he wants you to trust him. He wants you to see just how big he is. He wants you to step out on faith and trust that he is leading you. And it's not going to come easy. And we might make all kinds of excuses as to why we shouldn't like Moses did. But I'm telling you, if we surrender our will to his will, he's going to make a way in whatever Red Sea you might be. It might be, it might be addiction, it might be just worried over whether your family's gonna disown you. I don't know what your Red Sea is. But God is calling you by name. He's not small, and he will deliver you from whatever it is that you're facing. And I, and I encourage you, if you've got some doubts, do like Moses did. We read it again in Exodus chapter 3. Moses got alone with God. He spent time with God. He prayed about it. And I know that our, our elders and our, our, uh, our church leadership, our, our school board, got alone with God at different times, got together with God and prayed together. And it just comes down to a, do you believe he can do what he says he can do or not? I believe that He can do what He says. He can help us to succeed in this building expansion, but more importantly, He can help you with whatever doubt that you might have in your life. And you just have to trust Him. You just have to believe in Him. He sent His Son, Jesus. He loves you so much. He sent His Son, Jesus, to the cross to die for you. And He says, if you just confess his name and you repent of your sins and you're baptized into him as Dave said in his communion meditation thank you for that day. we become this new creation we are no longer the same people God will deliver us just like he delivered the children of Israel he will deliver us and we see that God was with Moses through that whole thing and the Bible says he will never God will never leave you he will never forsake you. Even if you walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And I heard, I'm going to go ahead and ask our, our worship team to come uh, at this time. Uh, and and I, I heard a preacher say this one time at a funeral. He said, you know, sometimes we think of this passage of scripture from the 23rd Psalm that says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, God is with me. And we think of this as this, these valleys of the shadow of death. As this, this horrible place and we think of valleys as these low points but I'm, I'm telling you even in low points if God is with you it's a beautiful place now, I'd rather be down there in the valley in a low point in some times of turmoil and some times of difficulty some times of distraction I lost Kendall where'd he go okay um um, he'll, he'll be with you. Um, I promise you. Even when Satan is lying to you and saying you can't do this or, or he has forsaken you. One of the most eye-opening things to me was when I heard someone say one time that when Jesus was on the cross, he, he looks up to heaven and he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And his own father turned his back on his son. Because God can't stand the sight of sin, right? But Jesus went to the cross and died for us so that we could have the opportunity for that to never happen to us. Because God now looks at us as though we are perfect. He looks at his son who died for our sins and he sees us as if we have never sinned. And so I want you to just think about a couple things today. We've thrown some numbers at you. We've thrown a lot of stuff at you that, that some you might agree with, it, some you don't. Again, that's okay. If you've never made the decision to follow Christ, we encourage you to consider that today. If you're watching online, you want to talk to somebody about that, would you text the word READY to us? And we'll be glad to, to talk to you about that. Maybe you're here today and you're ready to make that decision to come and surrender your life to Christ and be baptized into Him. If you've not made that decision, we want you to think about that. But most of you who are in this place today, you've already made that decision. What I want you to consider today is what can I do to trust God, to move forward? How can I encourage the leadership? How can I encourage the church? What can I do to assist in moving forward and reaching more people for Jesus, whether that's through the school, whether that's through the church, whether that's through your workplace, individual ministry, whatever it may be. I want you to pray about that. I want you to think about that. I'm going to ask you to stand with me, and and we're going to pray. And uh, whatever it is that you need to do with Jesus today, we we ask you to do that.